0: Welcome to the Spirited Advocate Podcast, brought to you by the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States, the leading voice for the distilled spirits industry. Now your host, Chris Swanger. Welcome back to the Spirited Advocate Podcast, conversations with people who make the spirits industry so much more than what's in your glass. I'm Chris Swanger, and I'm the president and CEO of the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States. My guests today are Scott and Becky Harris, founders and owners of the incredible Cococton Creek Distillery in Percival, Virginia. A chemical engineer, Becky is a craft distiller and the chief distiller at Coccoctin Creek and has been featured in Food & Wine as one of the six women in the industry to watch and serves as the President of the American Craft Distilling Association. Scott is the General Manager at the Distillery and sits on the Craft Advisory Board for Discus and is the Emeritus Member of the Board of Directors for the Virginia Distillers Association. He was appointed to the Virginia Spirits Board by the Governor of Virginia, overseeing the marketing of Virginia distilled spirits. This dynamic husband and wife team have earned many accolades over the years, but this year Discus was honored to recognize them with the David Pickerel Memorial Craft Member of the Year Award for their outstanding service to the craft distilling community across the country and in their home state of Virginia. Today we're going to discuss their recent award, the importance of advocacy, and the upcoming public policy conference with ACSA and how they've created such a successful and wonderful distillery. Welcome, Becky and Scott, and thank you for being here. We're so excited to have you. First of all, let me congratulate you for being recognized most recently by Discus for your work and your advocacy for the industry. Together, the two of you have built such a thriving, beautiful distillery in Percival, Virginia, which I've had the privilege of being there many times and have really become leaders within the craft distilling industry and have played a leading role in getting major legislation and major issues resolved for the industry. I know the story, but please tell our audience what inspired y'all way back in the day, not too far back, to get in the distilled spirits industry.
1: So really, the idea to start the distillery came from me. You know, I was working as a government contractor for years, and I was having a midlife crisis, and I just wanted to leave the sort of the cubicle environment, you know, windowless office, doing PowerPoints all day. And naively, I thought making whiskey would be easy. And so, you know, Becky's a chemical engineer, so she went along with the idea, and we just jumped right in. No real experience in it apart from her chemical engineering background and learned what we needed to learn.
2: And, you know, one of the things that was really inspiring to us also was, you know, at about that time was about the same time that Discus started doing its work with Mount Vernon and the distillery there. And, you know, that was so inspiring, thinking about how, you know, the distilling industry has changed and how the roots of distilling in Virginia are so deep. As soon as settlers from Europe came here there was whiskey, there was rye whiskey specifically, and how intrinsically tied to agriculture this whole system is. And so it was really inspiring to us as we went forward.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, Scott and Becky, as a married couple, how did y'all delegate responsibilities? Did it kind of fall naturally, Becky, with your chemist background, and Scott, with your background dealing with government procurement in high tech?
1: Yeah, I mean, basically, we sort of, you know, had departmental compartments for our abilities. You know, Becky being the chemical engineer I respected that I I can't do what she does and then me running the business doing the I accounting don't and sales do that. <laughs> right and so it was kind of like a nice little you know fiefdoms that we ran together but you know any small business like ours you know you're going to have crises you're going to have you know points where you're really under the gun and the thing that really helped for us both our business and our marriage was like we were always both in this 100% right there was never a point where somebody said well this was your idea. You know, take this job and shove it. You know, it was always (laughs) like, let's put our heads together. Let's figure out these challenges and let's, you know, live to see the next day. And so even through the tough times, we've been, I think, a really, really good partnership and and maybe something unusual in in married couples.
2: It's all about respect and, you know, giving respect and giving space,
1: I think.
0: Yeah, I think so. No doubt about it. I mean, we all have to grapple with that in our respective marriages and so forth. Becky, as the current president of ACSA and Scott as a member of the Discus Craft Advisory Council, what caused y'all to get so invested and shift time and effort in running a business which is in high demand, obviously, always, particularly for small business, but really become the industry leaders that you are? So important.
2: I think, you know, one of the first things Scott had to do after we started our business was immediately work on how does he correct legislation in Virginia to allow us to do tastings and sell bottles. I mean, we couldn't. Right. It was a piece of our business from the beginning.
1: Right. So what we didn't realize when we started our business. And what's become kind of gratifying is, you know, when you run your own business, apart from just working for a company, you're responsible for everything. You know, so I had to become a lobbyist and, you know, go down and help write law, you know, in, in state house, And I hadn't expected to do that. But we were like, well, gosh, the wineries and the breweries can sell their stuff. They can have people taste their stuff on site. And at the beginning, we could do none of that. And so, you know, we had to go down and work with the ABC and work with our legislators to do that kind of stuff. So it kind of came right from the beginning out of necessity. But then having done that, you know, both Becky and I just kind of moved into positions like with the Virginia Distillers Association or with ACSA of how can we make this landscape better, not just for ourselves, but for all distillers in the nation.
2: I think that, you know, One of the things is that with distilleries, we're still in the first years of growth at craft distilling. You know, we're 10 years in. The trajectory is still going up despite the pandemic. And just because of the way that this industry is, you're not likely to have another distillery, you know, right next door. And so there's a real need and a sense of desire for community as well from a lot of folks. And so I think that... Trying to get people to recognize that, you know, you can find community and in that you find help and hopefully inspiration for advocacy, because as a good friend of mine likes to say all the time, if you're not going to get involved in government, you may find that government's going to get involved in your (laughs) business anyway. So you might as well be prepared and be ready to advocate for yourself. Right.
0: Probably even just coming out of the gate, you probably had to work with the, the Percival City yes. Council <laughs> to put the distillery in the city town. City councils maybe a boring, bit grandiose right? for yes. what they are. but Local,
2: uh, local is sometimes yeah. the biggest headaches, but right? We,
1: we did, in fact. You're absolutely right, Chris. I mean, right from the beginning, Percival was a prohibition town, right? So this was a place, a hotbed of preaching against the evils of alcohol. <laughs> and they had written in the city code. It's a dry in town. The, in the town code, right? It was a dry town, and they had written in the town code exactly the words, no distilleries allowed in town limits. And so, we had to get that stricken from the town code. And so, we went to town council and explained what we were doing. And you know, we came into the town at a time when the mayor of the town was very enthusiastic about it. He saw the potential for tourism and anchoring, you know, an old historic building in downtown Percival and those kinds of things. So, we were lucky that we had a positive environment to come into, but there were still changes that had
0: to be made for sure. Absolutely. So the Dave Pickerel Memorial Award, and I had the privilege, just so everybody's aware, to work with Dave Pickerel when he was the head distiller at Maker's Mark and just so fondly. And I missed when Dave transitioned and really became an icon that he is to the craft distilling community all around the country, everywhere that I go, people will tell me stories about (laughs) David helping distillers get started, making their whiskey and so forth. But the Dave Pickerel Memorial Award is given to leaders in the industry for their advocacy in the needs of the craft distiller community and supporting the association. The two of you have successfully advocated legislation, both on a local level, a city level, state level, and a national level as well, particularly with the Craft Beverage Modernization and Tax Reform Act which is essential for the survival and the thriving of the craft distilling community in the United States. When did you realize that the craft beverage bill was such an important policy issue directly related to the success of distillers around the country?
2: Oh shoot it was you know cripes it was how long did we work on that thing 10 years 10 plus years trying to get that done I mean I think from the beginning, almost anyone who started their company looked at the level of excise as like, dear God, this is, you know, this is insane. And the feeling of unfairness as distilleries were just as small, if not smaller than a lot of the wineries and breweries and seeing, you know, alcohol is alcohol. And, you know, the disparate treatment gave people a real sense of something to rally around. It was something that could be done at a national level, as so many alcoholic beverage issues are not controlled at a national level, but this was something that would really could kind of connect communities across the country.
1: And I would say, like, even even though it's now been passed and we're all enjoying its benefit, it was, I thought at the time, miraculous that it passed, right? I never, ever, ever thought it you was going to You couldn't take pass. it for
2: granted, even at the it, end. Was, it, it,
1: I was like, oh my gosh, like it actually happened, you know? So it was a really, really big win for, Remember for the Remember that week between
2: uh, Christmas and New Year's when mm. we were waiting for the oh, signature? Oh, oh, oh my pain.
0: gosh, we were all on pins and needles. <laughs> and at the time, the president was threatening to beat exactly. the Exactly. Oh, it was just oh, my And so, I'm like,
2: <laughs> shoot, should I bottle some extra stuff before the... <laughs> No, it's definitely... <laughs> it was
0: amazing. Just the other day, I got a chance to visit our friends with the Outer Banks Distillery in North Carolina, Scott Smith, great guy. And when that passed and was made permanent, it enabled them to build a bar and a tasting room at their distillery and hire two or three people, which I, I got to meet them all. They make fabulous rum in the Outer Banks of North Carolina, and y'all's leadership in helping pass the Craft Beverage Modernization Tax Reform Act has been essential. And I think we'll see for years to come a thriving craft distilling community as a result, and really because of y'all's leadership. With so many difficult factors facing us today, supply chain issues, inflation, social issues, It can seem overwhelming and almost impossible to solve all of these challenges that our country is navigating through. How do you go about identifying those issues that are most important for your business and then tackling it? I presume you probably have not been immune to the inflation and supply chain challenges for sure.
1: Yeah, not at all. (laughs) I mean, you know, we, we definitely have worked to minimize our costs and the growth of our supplies and things like that. And, you know, we've made some good decisions that now have paid some dividends in that regard. So
2: We've spent some learning money.
1: Yeah, yeah. But, you know, (laughs) so for us, you know, securing local producers, like we from the beginning wanted everything in our in our product to be local and that included the glass right and so one of the first things that some of the craft producers have run into was the shortage of glass oh, from China right with a lot of tariffs and all that all that negative sort of trade environment with China glass started to become short and people were having to either different bottle shapes which can be really different on your, the shape of your labels and it's not an easy thing to just no. swap out well, we had always used anchor hawking glass from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So that's four hours from here. And so we've never run into glass shortages because of that. But other things like grain, like we use local farms and we have contracts with local farmers. So that's been secure for us and relatively immune to humongo inflationary upswings. But we still see like freight costs have doubled or tripled in really some cases, you know, and yeah. that's just that's just cancerous. And and we you know, worry about the long term. If those freight costs come back down, then, you know, that was just a tough time in our business. If they stay where they are, then, you know, gosh, what do you do with that? What do you do with pricing and all that kind of stuff? So, yeah, we, we definitely struggle with those supply kind of issues.
2: I think, you know, you look at both from things of our pocketbook to everybody else's out there. And, and you know, and the thing is, we'll deal with all those things. I think that the challenge that, you know, I keep coming back to when I talk to people and get them to get involved in, you know, state and local affairs, governmental affairs is that, you know so much of getting it connected with your customer is not always within your control. And that depending on which state you live in, you could, you know, have rules. You can't be open on Sunday. You can't, we kept, we just got to be able to ship, sell, sell a bottle. The, yeah. You can't sell more than one on or you Sunday. have to get driver's license. You know, there were so many rules and they're all varied state to state and getting people to kind of say, you know what, I'm going to join my state guild. It's worth it. Yeah, it's money. You know, yes, you have to pay to support those associations that support you, but then, you know, those things are kind of, when you look at those things, if you're given the opportunity to sell those bottles, I think every one of us in our small business believes we can do it. It's just, we need to be given a shot at it. And so, all those other things that we can't control, you know, trying to get more control over some of that is kind of what we
0: shoot for. Mm. Absolutely. Becky and Scott, I know y'all been, you know, even in the beginning, I went around then when y'all were thinking about the craft beverage bill, but how do you build a movement? Because we do have a movement, you know, Discus, ACSA, ADI, we all work together for the greater good of the industry. But probably in the early days, it was hard to even imagine the movement that came about to get that legislation passed. Becky, you talked about, you know, just talking to everyone within the industry one by one. The more that we get engaged in this process, the better, right?
2: Yeah, it's connecting. You know, all of us who start craft distilleries are people who are kind of just a little bit renegade. You're ready to roll the dice and take a chance in a business that just isn't getting easier. I mean, it isn't getting easier. And so, you know, one of the challenges in dealing with folks like us is we tend to think we know everything, <laughs> and 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 you know, it's it's hurting cats to a certain extent, but. You know, I think as you get connected with the other folks doing this in your locality and you know, build those connections, then you can see, oh, where can we work together to try to make everything better for us? It's... I think
1: I think the other thing is like trusting of industry partners, right? Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of I mean, even among craft to craft, like small guy to small guy, you know, like this well, I don't want to show my hand because, you know, then if, they'll get an advantage. The competitive, like, you know, I've got my guard up. But then also from small to large, like one of the schisms I think that's refreshingly not as present in spirits that is in other industries like, say, beer. You know, in craft beer, the reason craft beer existed was because the big guys, you know, the craft beer purists would argue didn't make good beer. And so that made a market for all that. But you can never argue that with spirits, right? I mean, these big companies, Woodford Reserve, all of these, I mean, that's really good quality stuff. So where's craft coming in, you know, and and so the ability for craft partners and the big guys to trust each other is what got that Craft Beverage Act to pass, right? We all had to benefit from it. It couldn't be us against them. And that kind of mentality would have probably, you know, killed the bill from the very start, right? So, we had to come together, big and small, small guy gets small guy, you know, different states, all of that to get something that benefits everybody.
0: And I think, Scott and Becky, the essence of that mindset, you know, still exists today, despite the success of passing the craft beverage bill. Because, look, probably 85 to 90 percent of the issues are issues that large and small should come together on. Every once in a while, there's going to be issues that arise that are more important to a craft distiller versus a larger company. Or vice
2: versa, but it it doesn't mean you can't. I know I'm
0: preaching to the choir. Right, right.
1: So, I mean, find the areas where we can agree, and then let's get something done. You know, that's, I think, what's always done well. And I think Discus has been a really good partner with that. Well,
2: honestly, that's, you know, isn't that what we should be doing at every level, is find the areas (laughs) where we can agree and get stuff done? I mean, whether we're uh, political parties or whatever, to me, it's always been about... Why don't we just find areas where we can move the needle somewhere?
0: 100%. And <laughs> engaging in the in the local community, I'm sure each craft distiller grapples with this. Y'all had to do this just coming out of the gate. How important it is to play a positive role within the community that y'all live and work and call your home, right? Yeah.
1: Right. I mean, yeah, we're all about that. I mean, we've based our business on that concept. and. You know, we want to be respected members of the community, contributing jobs and money and and all those kinds of things into our community. I mean, we live half a mile from the distillery, so we literally live in the same town as our work. And so it's really important to us. You know, half of my employees are people that I used to coach as a soccer coach, you know, when my kids were little. You know, they all work for us, and I know them since they were, you know, five years old. So, you know...
2: all of that has implications beyond just the alcoholic beverage laws you know we're concerned rents are rising where do right. our employees live right. everything has to connect you know to making things better in the community for everyone so right. you can't really sit on the sidelines you know and say oh that doesn't involve me well no real estate prices matter because right. how do i keep employees when they say oh i i can't live nearby you know, that's something that we, you know, advocate for with our, even our county government is mm-hmm. how do we, you know, increase housing, make it possible for folks who want to work here to live here.
0: Right. Absolutely. What advice would y'all have for a brand or a distiller or a company looking to make a difference in their local area? Get engaged, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Stay engaged. I mean, if you're not already talking to your town council, your city council, your chambers of commerce and all those organizations locally, then you are you are sitting on the sideline. Then side do line. it
2: this afternoon yeah. because you know, making those calls before you need anything is better than waiting till you do become their expert. They're looking for expertise and things. And if you say, I'd love to tell you about my company, how our business works, the kinds of things we do. And you know what? And don't ask them for anything right away. Just get to know them. Be a supporter.
1: And never forget with a sales hat on, like every single person, <laughs> whether it's the mayor or the guy who works the water department, As a possible customer. That's right. right. I mean, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So when I talk to people, I'm like customer, 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 customer.
2: That's right. You always want to be, you know, make it about, you know, yeah, we're all partners here and always a potential customer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) good point. Anyway. I mean, I find that it's not too difficult. You don't have to be shy. Like you're selling spirits and people are usually pretty interested in that.
0: So Uh, No doubt about it. Where do you all see the industry over the next five years? What do you see around the corner, despite all the challenges that we're all facing every day?
1: I think there's going to be some consolidation. You know, I think that's a wave that's coming. I think we started to see a little bit of it starting, and then I think the pandemic kind of put the brakes on it for a little bit. But I think you'll see some of the big players building their portfolios with some of the small players. Maybe.
2: Um, I, I'm kind of mixed on that. You might see some, but I still think we're going to see there's a lot more room for smaller companies oh, to no come doubt. in. Oh, no doubt. I think
1: 100,000 more will come in uh, exactly. while the others are It'll happening. It'll be
2: much more akin to small wineries, and you know what? That's amazing opportunity. Never a better time to be a customer in the history of spirits in this country. I,
1: I mean, you know, we've said it before, but like in 1790, there were 3,000 distilleries in Virginia alone, right? And today in the U.S. there's 3,000 distilleries, right? So there's a lot of room for growth. Like in 1790, every farm was a distillery. (laughs) Every single farm. It was just part of farm chores. And so there's still, I think, a lot of room for, you know, this sort of concept of, you know, you drive into Morgantown, West Virginia, and there's a couple local distilleries that just serve Morgantownians. You know, I think that model works. And I think it's still to come.
2: And I think that then you want to say the five years out, the 10 years out, the big hairy goal. For me, it's that these same little bitty companies can sell their products to whoever they want, And that if they want, if I come from California and I go visit Morgantown, West Virginia, and I try their, you know, local bourbon or whatever it is, I can still get it. I can call them up, I can order it, and I can have a relationship with them in the exact same way that if I go to Napa Valley and try some wine, I can join their wine club. I want to see that available. As selfishly as a consumer... I have read stories about different products from across the country, and I wish I could get them. I know yeah. I'm not going to, but I would love to be able to do that. And I think it will happen. I think we just have to take a long view and just be willing to chip away at the things that are holding small distilleries a- and, and large distilleries, for that matter, yeah. from being connected directly in a way that makes sense to people that are out there having relationships with wineries and breweries in that same way. Which
1: most Americans today probably don't even know isn't allowed, right?
2: They don't understand the the
0: difference between wine, beer, and spirits in the legal framework. Not at
2: all. Not at all.
0: Yeah, you got to chip away at it. I'm proud to say Discus, ACSA, we play a phenomenal role trying to do that, but we're only as good as the membership and those that are engaged (laughs) in the communities, right? right? And all of that can be done in a safe and social responsible way to bring these great products to market. So those who enjoy to have a great rye whiskey can do that in a safe and responsible way. Now, shameless plug, okay, on September 21st, (laughs) ACSA and Discus are hosting a public policy conference. It's going to be virtual this year, but hopefully next year we'll be able to get back up on Capitol Hill in person. We're going to join together as an industry to advocate on issues impacting distillers across the country. Engaging in the public policy process, half of it is just educating, helping people understand what are the issues that y'all are facing every day to be able to bring your great whiskey to market. This is such an important opportunity to tell the industry story directly to policymakers. So I know Scott and Becky, y'all will be there. So do you mind just telling our distiller friends around the country why it's so important and to be sure to register for the public policy conference on September
2: 21st. Absolutely. I'm going to jump right in. Sign up today for the public policy conference and then make sure you mark your calendar and show up. You need to sign up and show up. Two parts. It won't take long. It usually takes 10 or 15 minutes out of your day. It doesn't cost you a penny. And what you're doing is making those relationships. It's like I said before, where you may not think that you need these folks today, but the time will come when you will need them. And you want them to already know that you exist. We have issues on there that we need to talk about, whether we want the United States Postal Service to be able to ship spirits, that's one of those little chips in the wall toward making the ability to connect with your customers in all 50 states real, but we have to break down each piece one at a time. So come forward, Tell that story to your representatives. Show up. Make sure you're on time. we got to be polite. And that gives you the relationship. If you don't have a relationship with these people, this is the first time you may see their name. You know what? Get their contact info. Something comes up down the road, you know who that staffer is directly. You've made contact. They're a person that you can call. Yep. And that comes in real handy if something comes up down the road too where you have a difficulty and you have something you need help from the federal government because of something going on in your business.
1: That's right. You know, we're all heavily regulated. And if one day you feel something unfair has happened to you and a federal agency comes knocking at your door, you need somebody to talk to. So having contact with your representatives and the staffers who have the access to the representatives is really important and has come in useful for us at least a dozen times in our history. So, you know, it's really good to know who your senators are, to be able to get them on the phone and say, look, this is a big issue for us. We need you to care about this. And the more you do that, the more they engage with you.
2: Right, these people are here, they're public servants, they are here to help you. And, you know, I know it's a joke that people say that, but these folks do wanna help you. And so getting to know them and spending that 15 minutes of your day to say, here are some things that are going on, and then making that personal connection, you know what, it's going to pay off in the long run for sure. And
1: it really, it, for us, what we've seen is it really doesn't matter party affiliation, whether no. whatever the parties are. You know, Republican, Democrat, like you're a constituent, and yes. they're here to help you, and they, they want to, regardless of your party affiliation. So I would encourage, as Becky says, reach out and attend the conference, sign up,
0: and then show up. Absolutely. Well, just put a bow on this. You know, 18, 20 years ago, there were probably 65 distilleries in the United States, and now there's over, well over 2,300. And as you all project, you know, that's only going to continue. So those are over 2,300 distilleries woven into the fabric of communities around the country. And just think about the power. In the strength of our voice collectively, if we engage in that process, a big part of it is educating and engaging and mobilizing. And that's what we certainly did with the Craft Beverage Bill. The Shipping Equity Act is another big one that will make a big difference and be able to get the product from point A to point B in an economical way. And both of y'all have been leaders in that regard. Okay, I don't know if y'all had a summer vacation or not, but where in particular, if y'all could go anywhere, anywhere in the world, together or independently, (laughs) maybe sometimes we need a break. Time for a break. (laughs) Is there a particular place that comes to mind?
1: Well, I got to confess that the place that we went this year is a place that we would always return to over and over again, which is Becky's parents' house up in Wisconsin. They have this Picturesque little heaven on a lake, a little cabin on a lake, and all the water sports and everything. So that is definitely, and it's it's way in the hill, in the middle of the nowhere. So nobody bothers us. It's really, really <laughs> remote and peaceful. So that's really a nice place
0: to go. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, and of course, all right. Favorite drink? Is there a particular way you like your rye whiskey? <laughs> well.
2: Scott is almost always a fan of having a neat pour.
1: A neat pour. So we've got the Roundstone 92 proof here. That's right. The a distiller's little, uh, edition.
2: And let me get we'll a cup for myself. Yep. Those We're, are... Like, finding what's on the desk.
1: I've got cups here, but they're not necessarily clean. Well,
2: you know, it's... Clean it's, enough. It's a uh, spirit.
0: We'll, we'll just sterilize that.
1: So we've got a nice <laughs> little neat pour here.
0: Oh, I like that. I like that. Look, uh, Becky and Scott, on behalf of the industry... On behalf of Discus, thank you for your leadership. Thank you for always being gracious with your time with us and really being devoted to the advocacy for our industry. For everybody watching, get to Percival, Virginia. It is beautiful. It is a great American success story. And on top of that, it is great, great whiskey too. So cheers and thank you very much. <laughs> cheers.
1: cheers. 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 Thank, thank you. Chris.
0: I'd like to give a big thank you to the Harrises for joining us today to talk a bit about their work in the industry and how we can become better advocates. Becky and Scott will be participating in our upcoming September public policy conference with ACSA. Distillers can register for the conference on Eventbrite at bit.ly forward slash public policy conference. That's bit. Dot ly forward slash public policy conference be sure to sign up i'd like to also thank you for listening to this episode of the spirited advocate podcast ask your bartender for any fine cococtin creek product they have a great rye whiskey and remember to enjoy responsibly and be sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode I'm Chris Swanger, and this has been the Spirited Advocate podcast brought to you by the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States. Cheers.